This is your daily real estate syndication show. I'm your host, Whitney Sewell. Today, we've packed a number of shows together to give you some highlights. I know you're going to enjoy the show. Thank you for being with us today. Our guest is Tony Castronovo. Thanks for being on the show, Tony. Thank you, Whitney. Glad to be here. Tony is a founder and managing partner of Novo Multifamily Group and Novo Investments. Tony is focused on buy and hold investing, initially in the single family space and now exclusively in multifamily apartments. He's the owner, operator, and asset manager for 80 units in Bryan College Station, Texas, a home of Texas A&M University. He's also a committed veteran of the Houston Marathon. Uh, so, Tony, thank you again for your time. I appreciate you being on the show today and being willing to share your story and, and helping the listeners and myself. Give us a little more about your background in real estate, and let's talk a little about the single family, you know, and moving into exclusively in the multifamily, like your bio mentioned, and let's jump into your superpower. Absolutely. Yeah. I think there's probably quite a few real estate investors out there that start in the single family space. So, you know, I was one of those. I think it probably took me about four months to find my first single family rental home. And it was one of those things, you know, you watch all the shows on HGTV and you get all excited and you know, I purchased this house and took the whole family out there. It was demo day, you know, and everybody was excited with their sledgehammers. And that lasted probably about three hits with the sledgehammer before everybody was kaput. We were pretty hands-on. That's, you know, kind of a theme for me. But we did that full renovation as a family and a lot of my weekends and nights But the interesting thing about doing it that way was I really got to learn what it was all involved regarding the the contracting and the renovations. And then as I just kind of took that and kept it going and had to fill that unit with a tenant and then had to be a landlord. And what does that mean? And and just being a you know management and IT guy for many years, I knew I had to develop processes and systems and the turning moment for me was when I had a tenant who wanted to make sure that her payment was on time and she showed up at eleven fifty nine at my house and stuck a check under my doormat. And I said, that's it. We have to go online. We have to have systems. It kind of snowballed from there. One led to two, two led to eight. And eventually I, I moved into multifamily. Wow. Yeah. You had a tenant show up at midnight at your house. Uh, You probably thought they didn't know where you lived. (laughs) Well, unfortunately, there is that, you know, a little clause about where to drop off your rent check and the lease. So unfortunately, that was my home address. And I've learned since then. (laughs) I think think most of us have some kind of story like that that caused us to learn some better processes, right? You know, why uh, the multifamily as opposed to single family? You know, we had a great business in single family. If you're familiar with bigger pockets and the term burr, we were doing a lot of the burr strategy where we'd basically buy a distressed home, we'd renovate it, we'd get it, you know, listed for rent, refinance it within 90 days and pull out equity and move on and do the next one. And that was great. It was, you know, just another log on the fire every time. We were building a good equity base, building good cash flow. But For me, I was looking to 
make a big step change. You know, I, I just couldn't see going one property, even if it was every three or four months, it just wasn't fast enough for me. The amount of effort that you have to go through just to turn one property and then start over, I just didn't want to do that again. So, you know, I was kind of expecting the inflection point when I got to 10 because of the financing and, and having to maybe move that into a portfolio loan. So I just accelerated the whole thing and said, you know what, I'm going to sell this as a package so that I can take advantage of a 1031 exchange and, and one transaction and then roll that all into my first multifamily. And so, you know, I was out there looking for a multifamily that I could get into by myself because I didn't know anything about syndication at the time. And I was just looking to stretch as far as I could go. And at that point, a 20-unit multifamily was about as far as I could stretch. We did just that. We 1031'd into that. I guess about two years ago, we got into the first multifamily that was in Bryan, Texas, very close to College Station, Texas A&M. We basically did, like I said, a hands-on approach. You know, I, I didn't do all the renovations myself. I mean, what I realized by taking on that property was being from the Houston area, it's a little too far for me to, you know, physically be there all the time. So I needed a team. I needed to have third-party property management. So even though I was doing it, I couldn't scale that way. And so it was sort of a rip the band-aid off and hire third-party property management. I had a Rolodex of contractors here in the Houston area from the single-family days, but I had to reestablish that and really get into finding people I trusted out in, in this new submarket. We got started, and just that property was a very clean property in the way that it was structured because every tenant was on a month-to-month -month lease. And so I had an opportunity to just control the rehab. And, you know, it was this methodical plan of every couple of months, well, every month we were going to do two units and we were going to move the tenants out, rehab it, bring new tenants in, rinse and repeat until we get all the way through. And it started to be okay, but we realized pretty quickly that critical mass is important. Nobody wants to move in and be that first one or two tenants into a great unit, but it's a dud of a property. We had to accelerate the whole thing. And I'll fast forward here to the story, but we basically got through the renovations in about seven months. 20 units in seven months? Yeah, we actually did 19. We had one tenant that simply just didn't want to go and and we couldn't necessarily get him out. He was He was a great tenant. And he wanted to pay more. I mean, he didn't want to pay more, but he was willing to pay more. And we didn't have to renovate it. So we just kept him in there. And he's been there now for several years. So we got one more looming. Nice. So I know, you know, just from previous conversation, you, know, you have, you'd like to have a hands-on approach. And I'd like for you to elaborate on that a little bit. And, uh, you know, you had mentioned uh, earlier too, just like, you know, how people say working on your business versus working in your business. And and I'd love to know how that applies to your thought process of, of this hands-on approach. Yeah, you kind of hinted on the saying there, right? A lot of people will say you have to work on your business, not in your business. For me, it's always worked that, if I'm in my business, it's it's like working under the hood of your car. You you get to know everything about it. You know how to optimize it, what makes it tick. And so 
to me, it, it's kind of like you've ever seen the show Undercover Boss. If you're sitting, you know, in the ivory tower, you may not really understand what's going on on the ground in your business. And I don't necessarily mean to be an undercover boss, although I think a lot of my tenants think I'm the maintenance guy. <laughs> but beyond that, I mean, I, I just, I love being there in it, seeing what's going on, seeing the difficulties that our, our contractors are having, let's say with the renovations or maybe with our property management and what they're dealing with on the ground. Because these are things that, you know, I'm a process guy. I, I can fix things if I know what the problems are. And I can't really know what the problems are unless I see them firsthand. How does that work, say, with employees, or do you have employees that are helping you, working for you? How do you see that scaling? So we're not at a point where we have employees at this point. Everything that that I've done, I'll say, are partners, not even vendors, because I, I do treat everybody that way. We're all in this together. I think that's one of the nice things about multifamily is, I know I've heard this a million times, it's a team sport, right? I try to be transparent with everybody. And so even like the general contractor that I work with, he actually wanted to be one of my investors. Uh, my attorney you know, encouraged me not to do that through just conflict of interest. But the reason why I'm bringing that up is that you know, there was this mutual trust there that he understood my business model and what I was after. And I understood what he needs to be successful as well. And, you know, we've all been there where we're trying to nickel and dime a contractor and trying to squeeze out every last dollar. And, you know, I'm guilty of it just like anybody else. But for me, it's making sure he understands why I'm pushing in certain places to make the business successful. Because at the end of the day, if it's not, then he doesn't have a job either. So he's now been with us on a couple of different properties and kind of been more of a long haul. And, and that's just one example. You know, our property management team is the same way. The hands-on approach. How do you see that scaling? You know, you, you buy another, you know, larger multifamily property, things like that. It's going to be hard for, for Tony to, to be that maintenance man, right? And so how do you see that working long-term? It's that stabilization factor, you know, so my other property, the, the 20 unit that I mentioned, and, and the one actually that I'm referring to now is I have a 60 unit as well. And that one we picked up uh, at the end of last year. And that one is still going through a stabilization. So we're, we're heavy into the renovations and, and really trying to improve the tenant base and so forth. And so I'm very hands on. And the funny thing is, I sometimes feel a little guilty because I'm two miles away from my 20-unit property. And many times when I'm in town, I don't even go there. And it feels like, you know, I'm deserting a child, you know, <laughs> but it doesn't require my attention. It's stable now. It's, it's running. It's optimized. I mean, there's always something I can do to make it better, but... I have a team in place and I really don't need to worry about it very much. Our guest is Travis Smith. Thanks for being on the show, Travis. Super glad to be here. Thanks for having me. 
Travis started his career with Morgan Stanley, but realized the most direct path to true wealth and financial freedom is in the private markets. He is now a partner in several investor groups he calls Tribes that invests in single-family rentals, multifamily, and commercial real estate. However, his favorite investor group is the one that enabled him to own vacation homes and even a racehorse with his brothers. That's so interesting. Uh, Now his obsession is to level the playing field, and he knows first firsthand that forming investor groups is the great equalizer. As a result, he built TribeVest, an online platform where people can assemble their tribe, align, form, and operate their own investor group. So Travis, thanks again for being on the show. I'm looking forward to hearing more about TribeVest, just exactly what that does, how that enables investors. I know there's investors listening right now that's, you know, it's perked their ears. They're wondering how that's helpful to them. And just diving into that, I would love to hear a little more about this racehorse story just a little bit as well. But tell us a little more about, you know, who you are and how you got into this type of business. Absolutely. I am and was a lot like, uh, I'm sure a lot of your listeners, I kind of was doing all the things that I was supposed to do, uh, going to school, getting good grades, getting a good job, you know, making a decent income, but, you know, realized that there had to be a better way of building wealth. Always saw real estate as a way to hack wealth without having to give up my day job. But the problem was, was one, we never grew up learning how to invest in real estate. And two, of course, the biggest barrier for any private investment, especially real estate, is capital. So anyway, on a fishing trip about 10 years ago, a little more than that now, my brothers and I were talking about this. And we kept talking about getting in on this deal and that deal. And and we kind of stopped ourselves and said, guys... We just don't have the lump sums of money we need to get in here. So what are we going to do about it? And our breakthrough was that we each agreed to a manageable monthly contribution of $500 each a month. So that was $2,000 between the four of us, $24,000 a year. And within that first year, we had closed our first deal. And then as real estate does, you know, one turned into two turned into three, and then again and again. And then we look back at our multi-million dollar portfolio, and we realized that by forming and funding that investor tribe, we secured a future we could have never dreamed of. And uh, eventually led to all sorts of investments, not just real estates, but we got into single family, multifamily, a bunch of syndications, and uh, even a racehorse at some point. Wow. So you all recognize that you need to be investing, right? But you didn't have the capital by yourself. But by pulling it together, you could invest it and start growing your capital faster or earlier on than maybe if you just waited till you saved it up yourself. Is that right? That's right. You know, there was a, it was more than just capital that was the barrier for us. That's always the most obvious one. But the truth is, we didn't have any experience we didn't have a network of people to help us, you know, find the right deals and, and navigate those deals. You know, we didn't have the guts on our own. And, you know, so tribe by pulling together as a tribe, of course, we pulled our capital together. And then we also got learned uh, and had the confidence to move forward together, too. But that's really that the power of the tribe is all encompassing. And, and ultimately, you end up investing in things you wouldn't or couldn't on your own. 
And that's where we were. We wanted to invest in something we wouldn't or couldn't on our own. And now the tribe serves a little bit of a different purpose. It gives us the ability to invest in more faster. Wow. Well, why don't we dive into that a little bit and just the, you know, why that tribe is so beneficial and how those things work and, and why, you know, it's beneficial to be a part of that and how that helps us. For sure. You know, I think anybody that was in the position I was in, and I think we've all been there, right? We've all been in that position where there's that barrier of entry. And by forming a tribe, and I want to just take a quick step back here and say, listen, we didn't invent tribe investing. Arguably, we've been tribe investing since the beginning of time, you know, thriving and, you know, surviving together. But what we did do is made it 10 times easier and a tenth the cost to do it. And so by doing that, we really you know, introduced this concept to people that we probably didn't consider it. But now that technology exists out there, really anybody can come together and pull their capital and ultimately put themselves in a position to invest in things, again, that they just normally wouldn't have done. Nice. So... You know, what are some ways that you've seen investors, you know, maybe invest quicker or, or maybe with less risk by being part of a tribe? Yeah, you nailed it. You know, so there are tribes. Uh, now we have thousands of them on our platform are invested in all sorts of things. Real estate, of course, is kind of the biggest reason or always the biggest goal for all of our tribes or most of our tribes, I should say, about 85 percent are investing in real estate. And that goes to anybody that's like investing in a single family down the road or, you know, someone's trying to do a multi-unit for the first time and coming together with their tribe to do that. And then we also see people participating in syndicates. And you think about how most of the time you get into a syndicate, it's $25,000, $50,000, $100,000 minimum to get in. And, you know, if you're new to real estate investing in this, this is people with a lot of money uh, in a lot of cases too, even though they have the capital, it's, you know, they're not familiar with this. This is new territory for them. And so they're way less likely to put $50,000 down or $100,000 down of their individual money on a solo investment. It just doesn't feel right. And so what forming a tribe does for people like that, you can go out and, you know, bring in another three people. So instead of $50,000, everybody's in for $12,000. And instead of $100,000, everybody's in for, you know, $25,000. And you just, you kind of get this confidence that you wouldn't have on your own. And that comes because you really spread the risk, right? You weren't all in on it but you were still participating in a very exciting deal. So, you know, spreading that risk is, is so important and just getting that confidence. I think that was the thing, like I look back to my brothers and I, we didn't have the guts, like we didn't have the experience and we didn't have podcasts like, uh, you know, like this one to kind of get educated on. So it really was, you know, we were willing to go out there and kind of do immersive learning, but we wouldn't have done that on our own, but together we would. How do we go about forming a tribe like this? So when I think about, okay, who, you know, who should be in my tribe and how do I, 
should that just be anyone or just thinking about the legalities, you know, behind that, you know, and how picky is this? Is this a partnership or is it just, you know, kind of like a mastermind, you know, that's investing together? How would you think through that? Great question. So to answer your question, it is a partnership. So, you know, most of our tribes in the end, so I'll kind of start with the end here. They're forming an LLC. They're filing their LLC. And you can do that on our platform in any of the 50 states. We automate that all online uh, where you get your articles of organization. You get a number of templates for your operating agreement. We kind of help you think through those things. But yeah, you're filing an LLC and everybody that's in the tribe is an owner. They're a business owner. They own that LLC and therefore a member of the board. And when major decisions come up for the operating agreement, but in most cases, there's a vote to be had by the members of that tribe. So to answer your question, they are partners. And that's an important thing. You know, this is a pretty sophisticated audience here. And, you know, tribe investing is super simple in that it's just, it's not just, but it's an LLC. And everybody that's in that LLC is a, not just an investor, but an owner. And that's important because that they're considered an active partner, an active partner. So they're not passive. So that's an important thing. But then what it does do is it it gives that entity, that LLC, to go and be a passive investor in a syndicate, for example. But the members of the LLC are active and business owners of that LLC. They make a decision to go participate in a syndicate, let's say, where that LLC, that entity, is a passive investor in that arrangement. So anyway, that's kind of the end in mind. And by the way, you know, you form your LLC, you get your EIN, we help you open up a business bank account all online. So now you're operating and have a business bank account and you can actually link uh, your external business accounts to do easy capital calls, right? Even on a monthly manageable way. And so that's a little bit of the solution. Now you mentioned who and how, and that's a real important question. You know, we start with people you know, like, and trust. It's funny, you know, almost as long as we've been told stranger equals danger, we've been told, you know, don't invest with friends and family. But Whitney, you've been around long enough to know that, and, you know, successful enough that, you know, most successful business owners, most successful owners will tell you the opposite. They'll say, do business with people you know, like, and trust. And so that's where TriBest really comes in. We help you, you know, eliminate some of that uncomfortableness that comes with starting a business with a friend or a family. And we do that due diligence. So making sure that each partner is vetted, you know, that they can be in a position to participate in such a, a venture. You know, all that stuff falls on TriBest. And then the tribe can just focus on the fun and finding the right deal and and getting business done. But the answer is, you know, find people you know, like, and trust and that have the same, you know, worldview and similar worldviews and aspirations that you do. And oh, by the way, are in a similar position financially. That's also a really important qualifier. 
Thank you for being with us again today. I hope that you have learned a lot from the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe. I hope you're telling your friends about the Real Estate Syndication Show and how they can also build wealth in real estate. You can also go to lifebridgecapital.com and start investing today. 